Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer and I talk greatest celebrity involvement in pro wrestling. Coming off the heels of one of the greatest debuts with Pat McAfee, at NXT TakeOver, we talk about the history of celebrities in pro wrestling. We ask the question, why is Cindy Lauper, of all people, not in the WWE Hall of Fame? And we talk to author Keith Elliott Greenberg about his new book, Too Sweet, about indie wrestling. We do that all right now on the Busted Open Podcast. And I kind of stand alone on this, it seems. But I think the best involvement of a celebrity in pro wrestling was Cindy Lauper with the WWF in 1985. To me, that was huge. The rock and wrestling connection, that was all because of her and her husband slash manager at the time, David Wolf. I mean, that was big to see Cindy Lauper, who had like the number one song on the charts, all of a sudden on a pro wrestling show. And I love the story. I love the fact that, like, you know, she had Captain Lou and her girls just want to have fun video. And then Captain Lou went on uh, Piper's Pit with Roddy Piper and said it was because of him that she was huge. She was living on the street. He took her in. He wrote Girls Just Want to Have Fun. It was <laughs> he wrote the whole album. You know, <laughs> she was just a dumb dame. As he called her and he brought it, he gave her the talent. He gave her the motivation. He was a mentor and then everything went to hell. And then Wendy Richter and Hogan and all. I mean, and the fact like that was huge at the time, Tommy, to see somebody that was that big of a star on a pro wrestling program. That was like, to me, unprecedented for its time. You think about the perfect storm. You really just described it. It all did start with Cindy Lauper. And then, you know, what it did for women's wrestling back then, you know, women's wrestling was always this, like, almost like a novelty. And it really brought it to the forefront with Wendy Richter and Mula. And it was because of Cindy Lauper's involvement. And then they literally switched it and they got Mr. T involved. And it was just like, and I know you remember, uh, they had like they showed Danny DeVito in the audience. They showed all these like celebrities and like it was random. Hey, Mr. T is there too. And it just like it was this perfect swarm storm of celebrity wrestler. Over wrestling's getting so so popular. And then, you know, they literally became the focal points of everything. Uh, you know, I remember Hulk Hogan walking to the ring and Cindy was like just being her over-the-top character and Hulk was, you know, walking. They were pumping him up to the ring. It was great. It really was. It was, I don't know who the two, you'd have to get the the number one singer of today and like the number one television star of today. And they both want to compete in the world of professional wrestling and do something on a specific date. I mean, honestly, that that's never happened before, but Gabby would have to tell us who these two most popular people would be and think of that, like their involvement in one event it, off the charts. Yeah. And, and you're right. Like Cindy Lauper had the number one uh, pop song. She had the number one album. And then you had Mr. T who had the number one TV, TV show at the time with the A team and, you know, all his involvement with Rocky three as well. Like they were like, if you named the top five celebrities of that year, two of them were in our, you know, involved with the WWF at the time. It was, it was huge. And, you know, I don't think she gets enough credit. 
you know, the, the WWE has their celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame, which is ridiculous to say because there is no Hall of Fame and certainly not a wing in a Hall Wings of Fame. Wings in my there's backyard. No yeah, there's no physical. Yeah, there's no come and physical. Visit. Give me $10. I'll let you come and see it. <laughs> but she's not even in their celebrity Hall of Like, she's not even in. How is Cindy Lauper not in the WWE Hall of Fame with all these celebrities that they put in that maybe made one appearance. You know, you have you have Kid Rock and you have like all these celebrities. How do you not have the one in the WWF that started it all in Cindy Lauper? I'm I'm very interested to find out the story why she's not as highly regarded in the world of the WWE as she should be. Maybe she had heat. Maybe she had maybe she has Vince heat. Because she's even said it on social media. She, there's no, she doesn't know why she's not in it. And she would have done it, especially when they had that one at the Garden. But who the hell knows? Maybe they wanted to go further. Maybe she was behind the Lady Spider woman. What was her name? What was oh, that, the, uh, the, uh, oh, the Black Spider. Like, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the New York Screwjob on Wendy Richter. The great, how do you not know that that was Fabulous Moolah, by the way? I love that when she's like, I had no clue it was Fabulous Moolah, and she started shooting on me. It's like, really? Nobody looks like that ever. No, that everybody, everybody in the arena and watching on TV knew that that was the Fabulous Moolah. But Wendy Richter got screwed. Why don't they make a documentary about that? Forget about the Montreal screw job. What about the New York screw job? Talk to uh, the dark side people, they'll do it. And nobody knew the lady who had the same hair sticking out of the back or body type knew it was Mula. <laughs> it was unbelievable. If you don't know what we're talking about, look it up, Google that shit. And you know what? When it comes to Cindy Lauper, we got to try to get her on the show. By the way, somebody else, another celebrity who uh, was heavily involved in wrestling early on uh, was, was Deborah Harry of Blondie. She's actually going to come on our show sometime next month. I'm really looking forward to talking to Deborah Harry on Busted Open. Really? Blondie's coming on? No way. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to come on the show. That is awesome. I'll she be. was involved. I think, I actually think, I have to look it up. She had a play, I believe, with Andy Kaufman. I I remember reading about this in like, in one of the, in like the wrestler or one of the oh wrestling guys. Oh my magazines. god, yes, she did. It's just coming it's coming to me right now. Wasn't she involved in like a play with Andy Kaufman in in like in New York that like like was like one and done? Like it was on like for one night and it and it was like a disaster and it was about pro wrestling? Mhm. Oh man, why would you do this to me especially live on the air? No, cuz it just yeah, came to me was, as we were talking. There was all these pictures there was always that famous picture of her and Captain Lou Albano. She would go to the garden, her and Captain Lou Albano. I think in Rock, Rocky Johnson's book, he has a picture with her too. Again, another one of the top singers, you yep. know, just hanging out watching wrestling. That picture is one of my favorites because Captain Lou Albano's head literally looked like he, uh, Cindy Lauper said, uh, I'm not Cindy Lauper, Blondie said, Hey, you want to take a picture? He goes, Hang on. And he just took a razor to his head, like, like, okay, let's take our picture now. It looked like he got attacked by a cat. It was the greatest picture ever. All right, here we go. You ready for this, Tommy? It's going to blow you away. Hang on. Does there, that something to do with uh, soup? It, the, uh, the name of the play was Teaneck Tansy, the Venus Flytrap. Oh, my God. It was a Broadway play in the early 80s starring Deborah Harry as Tansy, and Andy Kaufman was in the play as a referee. The, the play didn't do well, and it was a huge success in London, but then they brought it to Broadway, and after one night, it closed. And then it went to off-Broadway, and it didn't do very well there either, but it was a huge hit in London, but didn't make it on Broadway. Early 80s, starring Deborah. Oh, my God. Get Deborah. I want to talk to her about this like right now. She's going to have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Probably not. And Gabby, if you can, Gabby, or if you can get Cindy Lauper, you know, within the next 60, 90 minutes, that would be great as well. Right. We got to talk to her about this whole situation, why she's not in the Hall of Fame, even though she single-handedly started the Rock and Wrestling Connection. Yeah, she uh, she should be.
you know, we're sitting here talking and I'm not a political guy. And I think there's some like big, uh, I don't know, it's trending all the time. A bunch of people are getting involved. I think cocaine is involved too. I don't know. That's guns department. It's stupid. I hate it. But uh, the president, the president of the United States, you know, a WWE Hall of Famer took a, a real crappy stunner, but he's uh, he's involved in uh, professional wrestling. And hey, back then, it got a lot of mainstream, uh, a lot, a lot of mainstream. And uh, he wrestled, I, I mean, I was there. I wrestled the match after with uh, the whole Bobby Lashley thing. It got it, a front page of every paper. It, it did its job there well. And he also, he hosted two WrestleManias. And he so was the Gat, boss of Monday Night Raw. So I, I mentioned the, the the play with Deborah Harry and Andy Kaufman. Gabby just told me the play was staged over 10 rounds, each terminated by the clang of a ringside bell inside a full-fledged wrestling ring. No wonder it wasn't success. What the hell is there going to rounds in, in a pro wrestling play? They were trying to make you feel the ambiance. Yeah, well, guess what? It failed. Every moment. LeBron backwards to KCP, right back to LeBron. Bounce pass Anthony Davis, slam dunk. A perfect pass from LeBron to AD. Every series. LeBron has, has reserved that mindset that he's not going to win a title if Anthony Davis is not playing at a high level. We're talking about Lakers, Trailblazers, and all the 2020 NBA playoff series every morning on Sirius XM NBA Radio, Sirius 207, XM 86, and however you stream in the house. All right, you ready for this? You ready for this bomb that I'm about to drop, Tommy? Always. Not only is Cindy Lauper not in the WWE Hall of Fame, there are no females in the celebrity wing. What? Of the Hall of Fame. Not one female. Oh my, what a shit storm you just caused. I, I if if this pandemic wasn't going on, and I didn't live so damn far away, I would start making signs and I would pick it, that tower in Stanford, Connecticut, while blasting Shebop over a loudspeaker. Oh my God, another great song. Gabby? <laughs> Shebop, bebop, doobop, my bop, day bop, bebop. Maybe that's why Renee Young is. <laughs> When I wake up, I wonder why there are no women in the Hall of Fame. I asked my mother, is this really true? But girls just want to be in the Hall of Fame. That's true. Girls just want to be in the Hall of Fame. Wow. Man, you know what? That Vince McMahon, for all he's done right, he's done a lot wrong. And this might be on top of the list right now. That was, uh, I seen, you know, uh, what, well, let's go to the, the Twitter machine. That's from Professor Chaos. Shauna, thank you for that. And you just set my day off wonderful because Dave is now going to be so upset. There's no, and think about all, let's just go to the women who have made special appearances. Pamela. Oh, Pamela. She Pamela was there. Pamela Anderson. Yep. God. Uh, Jenny McCarthy. Yep. He was, Shawn Michaels was not hardcore. He did not have them both. Um, <laughs> All right. How about I, this? Uh, as you're, as you're thinking. Mary Hart. I know. I, I, exactly. She was involved in the biggest WrestleMania of all time. WrestleMania three. She did commentary with Bob Uecker. I mean, come on now. Well, a hey, last uh, WrestleMania, I did a trivia contest and they, it was the biggest controversy that because people got the question wrong about the first ever female commentator and people didn't mention her name. And like everyone was like Renee Young, Renee Young. And when that went up and it was the guy literally had to come on the air and say she was there as a special guest. That was her actual title. And people were so pissed that they got that question wrong, which is why I love wrestling fans. Now How about this? All these famous uh, women. Yeah, Snooki, we're gonna... Maria Menounos. Snooki! Maria, how how is Maria Menounos not in the in the WWE Hall of Fame? I mean, she was involved in a match too. She she's the one who inducted uh, Bob Backlund into the Hall of Fame at the Garden. Fabulous speech, by the way. 
Yes, we got to get her. Can we get Maria Menounos? Um, Gabby, make that happen in the next 60 minutes. Cindy Lauper, Blondie, uh, Maria, Maria Menounos. Menounos. Mary Hart. She's still with us, Mary Hart, right? Pamela Anderson, Jenny McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy has the office right down the road. Yeah, she's what part of – get her on too, Gabby. Let's get all – we're going to have to do an all-female uh, Hall of Fame snub show. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a show to me. How about this? Marco on the radio says, do you think Cindy Lauper is the leader of retribution? I don't think so. I think that's a pretty horrible <laughs> retribution idea. Um, Cause I think the only people who would really care are like me and Dave's age. <laughs> I like think mostly be like, why is Cindy Lauper bad? <laughs> Who's that crazy? Who's that crazy woman from those commercials doing on my TV? Why is that grandmother <laughs> angry at us all? Why is that grandmother spray painting? Stuff? Isn't she, isn't she a, a little too old to have pink and purple hair? I think Cindy Lauper is behind Retribution. That's my thoughts. You ready to get to the busted open nation? Because there's a lot of nation members, Tommy, that want to get involved in this, and I'm telling you right now. I don't know if there's a petition I need to sign or if I need to start that myself, but Cindy Lauper needs to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Or we just got to find out the Cindy Lauper heat. Yeah, what's there's got to be heat. She's the original. Maybe it was over the wrestling album. Who knows? Get Vince Maybe. Gabby. Get Vince McMahon on the phone. And maybe, or maybe it's because of David Wolf because she didn't. I think she. Uh, divorced David Wolf. David Wolf was the one night manager of the Freebirds when they wrestled at the Garden. I remember that one too. I was so excited for that. I think that was the only time like David Wolf has ever been famous in my life. Yeah, I mean he he rocked the he rocked the t shirt with the sports jacket over it first before anybody, and he did the sleeve rolled up before even the guys from Miami Vice did it. David Wolf, I think, is somebody that doesn't get recognized either. All right, let's get to the nation. Uh, you're <laughs> stretching. <laughs> you think? Let's go out to let's go out to Dan in Long Island. What's going on, Dan? Morning, Dave. Morning, Tommy. How are you guys doing this morning? I, I you know what? I got to be honest with you. I'm a little pissed off. I'm a little pissed <laughs> off about this Cindy Lauper situation, and I'm a little pissed off that there are no women in the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. All right. They might Sorry as well call. You know <laughs> I'll, what they find, should... I'll find a petition when you get it ready. Dan, you know what they should call that wing? The sausage wing. That's what that wing should be so <laughs> that should be called. Because there are no women in the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. I need somebody to tell me why. There's gotta be a reason why. It's bullshit. But go on, Dan. <laughs> I'm actually gonna talk about a celebrity who's in the Hall of Fame. One of my first memories watching wrestling was back in 2001, and Drew Carey entered the 2001 Royal Rumble, and it was arguably my favorite moment of that Royal Rumble when Kane almost killed him, and then Raven came in to save Drew Carey, and then Drew Carey eliminated himself. Um, another celebrity, he's also an athlete. I think the Floyd uh, Mayweather match at WrestleMania, that was a great uh, publicity stunt, and it was a great match also. Just want to hear what you guys think. All right, thank you. Yeah, you got it, Dan. Also, you got to, when you think of Kane, you got to think of Pete Rose. So those are some amazing moments with Pete Rose, too. But uh, Dan mentioned Floyd Mayweather. And I know this firsthand because I would love to go to the press conferences for WrestleMania that they used to have at the Hard Rock. And they had the one for that WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania 24. And I'm telling you right now, that was the most reporters and photographers that I've ever seen at a WrestleMania press conference was that one at the Hard Rock before WrestleMania 24. And Tommy was all because of Floyd Mayweather. Oh, dude, absolutely. I was in WWE during that, and it was all of that stuff was mainstream. Uh, I mean, the guy's still a money draw, and it was it was good stuff, a good piece of business. And uh, Dave, listen to this. Guns sent me the list. Are you ready? Yes. Here's the, here's the Celebrity Hall of Fame that you can visit for $10. Just PayPal it to me. You can come visit to me. It's in my backyard. Uh, Pete Rose, William the Refrigerator Perry, Bob Euchre, Drew Wait, Kent. wait, 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 really quick. 
Tommy, can we go through each one and we'll and we'll say if they're deserving or not? What do you think? Sure. All right. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, start with the top. Number one, Pete Rose. I think he's deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Took a million tombstones. It was uh, great. William the Refrigerator Perry. Borderline. Mm. I, I say no. All he did was the Battle Royal, and I snubbed him with my only football because Joe Theismann was there. And I literally, I told you this story. I went to go get him to sign it. And at that moment, as I literally opened his door, Joe Theismann was walking in. I took my football and I was like, hi, do you need anything? And I literally left. <laughs> I was working <laughs> in the office. And I got Joe Theismann to sign my football. Um, Bob Euchre, the Uke. Again, why is Bob Euchre in and not Mary Hart? Well, he had that famous promo with Andre where Andre choked him. Yes. You can. You can. Drew Carey. Sure. Yes. I feel it should be. Mike Tyson. Yes. Yeah. Brought a lot of mainstream. Worst uh, DX suck it, by the way. Yeah. He, not- like hard. Too hard. Too muscular, too much angst. Yes. Like, yeah. Too, yeah. Too arm. You got to be too angry. It's supposed to be funny. But like, ah, ah, ah. No, easy. Take it easy. It's supposed to be fun. Go ahead. And then doing it in 2020 just does not make you cool. Yeah. Donald Trump absolutely yeah. should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, Mr. T. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. All he did was uh, backfist Triple H and missed him by a mile. Yeah. Um, but it was big for the launch of SmackDown back whenever, whatever. I think they were on the UPN going in that time. Yes. On if, uh, if you have to think about it, you're not a Hall of Famer. If you have to think that hard, you're not a Hall of Famer. So Arnold, good. to me, is not a Hall of Famer. Get, get in the bathroom. Cohagen, these people need air. <laughs> no, it's not a tumor. Snoop Dizzle Dizzle Dog. Oof. I say yes. Really? He's done a lot. Yeah, he's done a lot music-wise. Sasha's theme. Oh. Appearances at WrestleMania. Okay, but what has he done memorable? He had no physicality. Well, he's look at him. I know a lot of wrestlers may or may not have smoked pot in his trailer before WrestleMania matches. Won't well, maybe that's it. All of us who did that. And uh, Kid Rock. Eh. Yeah, no. the Celebrity Hall of Fame. You know what? After today, if you, I'm going to close this week. I'm going to close my Celebrity Hall of Fame wing that's in my backyard. So now only send me $100 on PayPal, and <laughs> I will... I'm going to close it by Friday. So you only have a couple more days to come. It's $100 to visit. It's really nice. It's a nice tour. It's uh, me sitting in my underwear and reading you this list, what I'm doing right now. I'll say this, Tommy, of all the names that you mentioned in the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame, Mr. T would be the only one that I would put above Cindy Lauper. Yeah. (laughs) What a list. Right? That's why it's in my that's why it's in my backyard, not the best. I would say the most deserving person is Donald Trump and then Mr uh Mr. T. Donald Trump is the number one person who should be in the Hall of Fame. And he's apparently doing cocaine, that's what Guns tells me. Is that what Guns says? Guns that was says, trending. Wow. Wow, that's that's the president of the United States you're talking about, Tommy. That's breaking He's trending news. all day. Cocaine party. I don't know. Like, I don't follow politics. It's crazy. Yeah, inter- yeah. interesting. I, I can make the case that Cindy, that the, the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame should be called the Cindy Lauper wing of the Hall of Fame. That's how much she's deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. And no Mary Hart. Like, this is bad. This is really bad. When it's time to go to the track. To the track. Yeah. Serious, serious. FM NASCAR radio's got oh, you. Wow.
Alert. Here we go. Tune in to Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Or listen on the phone when you get out of the car with the Sirius XM app. We're back on the track. Saturday. At 6 p.m. Eastern. With NASCAR Cup Series Racing. Everything's happening so fast. It's the Coke Zero Sugar 400. Live from Daytona International Speedway. On Sirius XM. On Sirius, Sirius XM. NASCAR Radio. Channel 90. Very, very, very well done. <laughs> All right, Dave. Are you ready? We came out of commercial break. Are you ready? To be so pissed off, not only at Vince McMahon for not having not any woman in the WWE Hall of Fame, but not having Cindy Lauper in the Hall of Fame, which this conversation really has turned to, even though it's been celebrity appearances. Yes. Are you ready to get super angry? I'm ready. Cindy Lauper is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ladies and gentlemen, he just breathed in and out. Like, I see that when my dad would get mad at me, if I would do something, he literally went. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, that was awesome. So, Dave, she's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, uh, I looked up so many. She has a Tony, an Emmy, like 15 Grammys, and not. In the Rock and Roll Fame. All right, so there, and a wrestling guy. I'm not even gonna get angry, Tommy, because now it's at the point where there mu- it must be her. <laughs> like, the, like, right? Like, she must do something. Like, there's gotta be, there has to be, there has to be a a conspiracy theory. There has to be something going on here. I don't know her. Um, I remember watching her on Celebrity Apprentice. I was a big fan of the show, and she did make a lot of people hangry. She's from Brooklyn. Yo, come on now. All right. There's, we we, we got to get to the bottom of it. This is something so now. Flustered. I am. I'm a little flustered here because I don't get it. Cindy Lauper was huge. Huge. That debut album by her, She's So Unusual, is one of the greatest debuts of all time. She, she kick-started the rock and wrestling connection. Like, that was because of Cyndi Lauper's involvement. I mean, I mean I'm going through a Wikipedia page. It's like a, a thousand pages long. <laughs> like, there's got to be something here. Like a, a a reason why she is not like it's a, it's funny. you mentioned the Grammy Awards. Uh, she was a, she was nominated for let's see one two three four five. She had five nominations in nineteen eighty five alone. She won Best New Artist, but she was nominated for Album of the Year, Song of the Year, Record of the Year, and Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. Then she was nominated again in 1986, nominated twice in 1987, nominated again in 1988, nominated in 90, 99, 2005, 2009, 2011, won again in 2014, and then nominated again in 2017. Then, you know, you mentioned the Tony. She won a Tony in 2013, nominated again in 2018. And then you mentioned Emmys. She won an, she won an Emmy in 1995 and nominated in 1994 as well. Then MTV Music Awards, my God. She won in 1984. She was nominated in 1984 for, for MTV Music Awards. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine times in one year. Nine times. Rolling Stone, VH1. Like, I, there, there's got to be some, there's, some, there's something, there, we, we need to get her on. Because there's got to be some, like, she must be anti-Hall of Fame or something like that. <laughs> wow, maybe she like, like, maybe she was like, you know, she had something against Hall's uh, Vapor Rub or Hall's Cough Drop or something so that there is no Hall of Fame for her. Maybe she just likes end oats. <laughs> That's right. She only likes end oats. She hates Hall, but loves end oats. I'm so <laughs> you actually handled. I thought I was going to have you explode. You're a big music guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna text that to Jericho. I'm gonna see what he knows. Oh, uh, Jericho's fraud. 
Are you ready to get back? Are you ready to get back to the busted open nation? Yeah, man. I'm shocked. Shocking. Breaking. Let's go. I I have my own. Uh, I don't even know if I should bring this out on the air. We may have to get Snake Sabo of Skid Row on the show. He's another music guy. Yeah, another music guy. I uh, I threw out my top twenty list to Bully Snake and Jericho, and Jericho texts me his top twenty Kiss songs of all time, and he's been somebody that's waved the flag for the for the band Kiss for a long time. After seeing his list, I don't think he's actually a Kiss fan. Okay. Chris Jericho. We'll do, we'll do this on the rock and rock show. This is the wrestling show. So you guys can talk about that. No, but we could do, but it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm saying we should do like a rock and wrestling connection show. That's when we'll have Cindy Lauper on. Do you want me to give my list? Yes, please. I went to top 10 because of the nation. They made me so happy about this. All of this. So my number 10, are you ready? I don't have a laminated list. I send all my stuff to Gabby via the text message. Here we go. Number 10, Maria Menounos. That's a good one. For her excellent performance in the ring, as well as always waving the flag for pro wrestling and her amazing speech uh, and how uh, um, Bob Backlund loved it. Number nine. The guy who kind of started it all, Andy Kaufman. When I say he started it all, got a lot of people watching it. And I really brought my eyes to Memphis wrestling because of all that stuff, because of such a big star that he was. Because of the caller, I had to change my, I had to add to a top 10. Zeus, Tiny Lester. I went to see that movie in the movie theaters on a date because I'm an idiot. But the guy had two wrestlers. Guy had a SummerSlam match. Guy had a couple of matches. Saturday night main event match. Was horrible, but mastered the the bear hug and the the Zeus neck thing. But hey, he got there. Make a lot of people angry, but the most deserving WWE Hall of Famer who's currently on the list, Donald Trump. Got to be there. Always super nice to me too, but uh, Donald Trump, did physicality, did promos, had WrestleMania at his, uh, I don't know, was it his house? Just like my wing is out in my house. He had WrestleMania there, two of them. Number f- number six, Cindy Lauper. Wow. Just made the list. She carried, she carried the flag for the Rock and Wrestling Federation uh, wrestling movement. She brought a towel to the ring. She was she there when, when the, how awesome was when Captain Lou Albano got the glass thing broken over his head right in front of Cindy. Lowe. It was the plat- the platinum album, the frame platinum album. She smashed it over his head. And she was begging for help. She was the, the girl in distress that made Mr. T hop the rail. There goes my next one. The guy who brought it to the mainstream, physicality-wise, that hip toss, Mr. T was seen through ever, got WrestleMania on the map, and really, really took it to the next level. The main event the next year was the drizzling crap, but hey, he's still Mr. T, synonymous with professional wrestling. Pete Rose. Yeah. Always trying to go after Kane. Took tombstones, choke slams. Pete Rose, you expected him to be part of the Royal Rumble. Uh, the first, well, he was in WWE. Damn it. The Green Arrow, Stefan or Stephen R. Arnell, an amazing performance for his first time ever getting into the ring and has had, what, three matches or two matches and always has stepped up. I was there for one of them. I helped agent one of them. And the guy really, really loves professional wrestling and was on a top show, Green Arrow, while doing all this stuff. Didn't need to do it. And now I think he's doing some TV show on stars with wrestling. Number two, an amazing performance this past Saturday, Pat McAfee. Really wow. above and beyond. Number two. Wow. Yeah, man. He really stepped up. And Shaq, if you're listening, and I know you are, you need to watch him because he raised the bar for every celebrity to ever get foot, step foot in our ring. Pat McAfee at number two. And number one most talked about and really delivered 
one of the greatest debuts of all time, Ronda Rousey entering the WWE and having her first ever match. That's a hell of a list. No debate. I'm going to laminate my list via text. You know what? I'll probably, I love it. No, you got to, you got to start laminating these lists because they need to be preserved in time. Tommy, you understand, but listen, man, look, my top three, Rhonda, Pat McAfee. And I had a, a hard choice of between Pat McAfee being number one and Ronda Rousey being number one. Wow. But Pat I, McAfee, number one over Ronda Rousey. I had a big choice, but I said Ronda Rousey was a bigger star. Ronda Rousey did not need to come to the WWE. And Ronda Rousey stepped up from her WrestleMania match to become the women's champion. And she always delivered. And Ronda had that mainstream appeal, not discrediting Pat McAfee, but going into the match, more people were talking about Ronda Rousey's debut in the WWE as opposed to Pat McAfee's. Uh, but the shorter buildup. And also he was a punter. No offense. All right. All that stuff aside, like the mainstream attention, the celebrity and all that. Fundamentally, who had the better debut, Ronda Rousey or Pat McAfee? Pat McAfee had the greatest singles match. Could say it right now. And if Shaq wants to wrestle Cody, oof, there ain't going to be no Canadian destroyer on big Shaq diesel. That's uh Cody. would have to have his working boots on again. Shaq's an athlete. He's a, he's an older athlete, but he could still move. But again, he is a giant man. I would just, you know, we saw it a little bit when Shaq and uh, uh, big show did something. The choke slams, but they really just stood there. You have to be, if you're a celebrity and you want to get involved in wrestling, literally both, you know, Pat McAfee and Ronda Rousey raised the bar for celebrities. Pat McAfee off the charts. Basketball has become a global game. From legends such as Hakeem Olajuwon and Dirk Nowitzki to today's superstars like Giannis and Luka Doncic. Giannis to the rim, slam it with the left hand. There's no shortage of international talent in the NBA. World of Basketball with Fran Fraschilla is a podcast dedicated to profiling the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the sport in their countries. New episodes available Thursday on the Sirius XM app, Pandora Podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. Writer, historian, the great. Keith Elliott Greenberg, and again, his new book, Inside the Indie Revolution, too sweet. We welcome in right now. Keith, how are you this morning? Good, man. Good to see both of you guys. Likewise. Yeah, this is good because we got a lot of questions for you, Keith. Now, obviously, we're going to get into the book because you are so right. More so than ever in the history of pro wrestling, like indie wrestling has kind of really taken over and especially brought the cool back in professional wrestling. But, Keith, just so you know, I don't know if you were listening to the show or not before we brought you in, is that we were talking about celebrity involvement in pro wrestling. And, I, and Keith, I, I'm sure you know that. Celebrity involvement in pro wrestling has been going on for decades and decades, well before even WrestleMania. You know, it's funny. I remember having a wrestling magazine probably in the early 70s and seeing some card down south where Jerry Lee Lewis was uh, was a special guest. And there was one shot of him without a shirt on flexing. I'm imagining it was probably in Indiana or somewhere. <laughs> That's Louisiana. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, Keith, let's get into the book. Again, it's called Too Sweet, Inside the Indie Wrestling Revolution. And somebody like you that's been involved uh, for a long time in pro wrestling, what made you decide to write a book about this topic, indie wrestling? Well, it, it really, the, uh, the origins of the book took place when I was at WrestleMania 34. And I was walking around um, in New Orleans on, on Bourbon Street. And for every Roman Reigns or John Cena shirt, I was seeing two or three Bullet Club shirts. And I was thinking to myself, wow, this isn't even a WWE entity. And WWE brought everybody to this party. And yet... Everyone is obsessed with the Bullet Club. 
And I think, you know, there may have been a time when you were either a WWE fan or another type of fan. And I began to feel, you know, you can be a WWE fan and a New Japan fan and a Ring of Honor fan, but there's a trend going on. And I think it's time to cover this trend. And I spoke with Michael Holmes, who's the executive editor at ECW Press afterwards. He made similar observations. He saw all the Bullet Club shirts. And I said, I think we can, we can, uh, we can sell a book. I think people will buy it. You know, uh, for our listeners, I've known you probably since I started my career uh, from Gleason's Gym when I was a nobody, but I would always see you around or I knew the name. And then, you know, we became uh, friendly. Uh, your hi historic value to wrestling, because like we all do, we started off as fans. But <clears throat> like when I tell you, like Gleason's Gym, my first, I remember they had an arena there. And they used to perform wrestling there. That was like, I starting out did not know what independent wrestling was. And you break it down in your book to early beginnings of, you know, this boom period that we had uh, up until COVID the last two years. And I was just talking to somebody. They asked me what my actual record was because they know I write it all down. And I was like, I'd have to go look. But within the last two years before COVID, I wrestled 412 shows in two years i did 206 uh matches a year and they were like wow that's a lot and i was like yeah the, the indies were on fire and everything when i first started the indies were all great and then they died but then after this the indies in the last four to five years exploded and i mean the book is was perfect timing and um, in the book, I don't know if you read the part, but we actually mentioned you wrestling so many times because I interviewed you in the midst of that streak. Right. I interviewed you in the MLW dressing room yep. and you were telling me your schedule. Yeah. And I mean, we all love being our own bosses because we could always yell at us, even though Vince McMahon still has that chip in my head. What? No, he doesn't. Everything is great in the world. Um, <laughs> but when you talk about if I love the fact that, and me and Dave talk about it all the time, the world stopped during this pandemic, except professional wrestling. And it kept on going and it has adapted uh, and continues to adapt. And now some of the first things that are opening up has been professional wrestling. You'll see on, on social media, people having, there's a ring in the middle of a beach and there's people bringing folding chairs, people wearing masks, and they're just watching wrestling. And, and that was this weekend in Atlantic City. Yeah. That was a GCW show. And uh, GCW occupies two chapters in the book. And I went to a GCW show recently in a park, in, in Centennial Park in Indianapolis. And last week or two weeks ago, I was in Chicago Heights and I went to a warrior wrestling show on a high school football field. So people were socially distanced. They're safe, but they're, they're still live wrestling. It's crazy when you think about it and, and reading your book too, and the way the book started out, and this is an interesting personality and character and is actually doing some big things now in 2020 is Joey Janela. You know, you know, the, here's a guy that would do anything in the wrestling ring to get noticed and now being signed to AEW. Interesting way to, you know, to kick off the book for sure. Yeah, it, it was, you know, I was fortunate because I went into this not really knowing what the book would turn into. And one of the first people I really connected with was Joey Janela. And Joey was open to talking whenever I was in the mood to talk. And so... Uh, the book begins with Joey Janela watching the crowd pour into All In and realizing that there's something going on. And in the course of writing the book and researching the book, AEW was created and Joey Janela got signed. So the book essentially ends with this show that GCW puts on in Asbury Park at a place appropriately called the House of Independence. And it's Joey Janela, Orange Cassidy, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt are on this card. And from that card, they leave and they're driving to the first AEW Dynamite in Washington. And that's how the book ends. So that's how I close the circle, so to speak. 
That's when you great. look at that, oh, I'm sorry, Tommy, I didn't mean to, to jump no, in, I but just, when I just love it, that's that's a great full circle. It's a great, it is a great full circle. So, you know, knowing that they're on that on their way to that first AEW dynamite is kind of is that or is AEW really a reflection of the popularity of indie wrestling? Because I think anybody that was um anti WWE and just watching wrestling for indies are probably fans of AEW now. I, I would say so. And certainly AEW is an out, outgrowth of indie wrestling because indie fans love the Bucks. I mean, the young Bucks wrestled everywhere. Yeah. I'm, can, I'm sure, Tommy, you've, you've been on count maybe hundreds of cards with the young Bucks, yep. you know? Um, you know, and we, we mentioned guys like Joey Janela and we mentioned Kenny Omega. And, you know, you mentioned a guy like QT Marshall. All of these guys came from the Indies and are still on the Indies. I mean, Janela's wrestling on the Indies on the weekends. I was uh, at, at that show in Chicago Heights. Lance Archer and uh, Brian Cage were on that show. So, you know, AEW definitely has a direct link with the Indies. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, uh, they allow them to do it to, to, you know, supplement their income which, you know, a lot of people, I love, I think wrestling is the only sport uh, or only actual job where people will literally come up to you while you're at a wrestling show and be like, oh, I'm a professional wrestler. Or like, I know who you are. I'm like, oh, you make a living doing this? And I want to, a lot of times we're like, yeah, I make a frigging great living. Uh, and I know also there's times where, and I do, I mean, I love when I wrestling in front of large, large crowds or being in great big venues. I also love being in front of smaller venues. Some of my greatest moments of my career happened in a bingo hall and in, in front of, uh, in Queens, uh, at the Elks Lodge. Right on Queens Boulevard. And people like for me, I'll, I'll, I'll still have these moments where I'll drive and I'll look at a venue or I'll look at it and I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, and then I driving home and I'm counting my money. And I'm counting the cash. And I'm like, there's some people who have to work a month to make what I just made uh, for 10 minutes, 15 minutes of entertaining people. And it, it's just like that times, like you say, oh, like you pull up to this place and you're just like, oh my gosh. And then you have one of the greatest times of your life. And that's what I love about independent wrestling. You know, I should ask you this. What, what is the weirdest place where you've ever wrestled? Oof, uh, man, there were so many ECW. I mean, the building Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, and was literally on the side of the mountain where a locker room was hanging off the mountain. And eventually the building just slid off the mountain. <laughs> um, we've, I've, dude, I've wrestled in prison. I've wrestled in strip clubs. I've wrestled in car lots. I've wrestled in a park. Uh, it's the proverbial set up a ring and they will come. That's crazy. prison was probably pr prison was probably the weirdest. I also wrestled Tony Atlas and here I am this good looking young, uh, baby face in my early twenties. And we had like specific rules that the, the warden and they told us like, don't incite the prisoners and don't do this. Don't do that. And Tony Atlas being the heel, he literally walked out there and did everything they told him not to do. <laughs> and we're literally wrestling like in the rec room of a prison. And he was telling people, I'm going to make him your boyfriend. I mean, doing everything that is so politically incorrect today. But in for prison, when they say don't do this because we don't want to have a riot and the heel goes out there because it's the 90s and just heat, heat, heat. But the prison was probably where I was just like the most scared as well. And uh, did, the, did the prisoners get it? That's what I'm curious. They had an amazing time. It literally was. Um, and, and this is weird to say. When you go to other places or, or other countries or, you know, when you went to entertain for the troops, you see how appreciative they are. You see how appreciative places where they don't get wrestling. The same with literally was prison because here we came to entertain them and they weren't, in their opinion, treated like animals. 
And, you know, they all, there was people who like were on their best behavior so they could attend these shows. And that's what the warden said. Though we were not invited back after the main event of Tommy Dreamer versus Tony Atlas, <laughs> that's a whole other book. <laughs> um, who was the promoter? I'm curious. Dude, it was up in Ogdensburg, New York. Uh, I know Tony Rumble, who's no longer with us. He was involved in it, but I don't know who the promoter was. I thought it was like a Tommy D show. Or oh, that, that would be <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> Here with Keith Elliott Greenberg, again, author of Too Sweet, Inside the Indie Wrestling Revolution. And, and Keith, one thing you mentioned in the book, too, and this is just going back a little over a year ago, uh, our, the weekend of WrestleMania 35. Um, Tommy and I were a part of Busted Open's 10-year anniversary party uh, just blocks away from Madison Square Garden uh, where we had 700 people show up for a radio show. And two blocks away at Madison Square Garden, there was a G1 Supercard with Ring of Honor and New Japan. And in my lifetime, I had never seen anything outside the world of WWE and WWF at Madison Square Garden. And here you are with a sold-out building with a wrestling product outside of the WWE. Um, and you mentioned that in the book. How big to you was reflecting back on a show like that? Well, it was, it was uh, dreamy. It was surreal because... First of all, I don't believe the uh, IWGP uh, heavyweight championship has ever changed hands outside of Asia before. And there it, it changed hands in Madison Square Garden. And to be in a packed building of all these people on WrestleMania weekend who are there not for the WWE show. In fact, there probably were fans who came to New York that weekend and went to the indie shows and maybe didn't even get a ticket to WrestleMania. One of my buddies who was with me, my friend Patrick um, John Joseph, who lives in Jersey, he couldn't scalp a ticket because they were too expensive for WrestleMania. So we went to the uh, Ring of Honor uh, New Japan show. Then we got in an Uber and we went to Joey Janela's um, spring break show. He just went to indie shows that weekend. Was there anything while doing this book, and, and I know this is going to be a hard one, was there anything that either took you back or shocked you while doing this book? Now that's a good question. Did anything shock? I'll say something that impressed me is the caliber of wrestling promoters now in the age of the internet seem to treat the talent a lot better than I remember. I remember, yeah, and you know this because you were in that world. Back in the 90s and the 80s, just running into a guy I knew from WWE and him saying, yeah, I worked for that promoter and I got stiffed. Or don't work for this guy. You know, he lies. He chisels you. I showed up the building. There were 10 fans there and I, and I didn't get paid. I didn't find a lot of that. Now, maybe I, I, I'm, I'm missing something. But Tommy, would you agree that the caliber promoters have changed. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I mean, it's, it's more business as well as, you know, the good part of social media. I have seen people call people out. And, you know, when I was kind of starting out or you would always hear these horror stories, and I think a lot of that happened after the fall of ECW and WCW. You got all these people who thought they can be the next it promotion. But I mean, literally, like I remember people getting their envelope and just turning their back and literally counting their money to make sure they weren't getting shorted out of money while they're still at the venue or people did get shorted out of money and don't go say anything to the promoter because, Oh, he may not use me the next time and be like, screw that. But yeah, no, there's, I've, there's been, you could probably back in the day count all the people who you'd have a story for. And now it's reversed where there's only a handful of people would be like, Hey, don't do this or that because they're no good. Yeah, and there's a story that um, uh, Hurricane Helms tells in the book about working for a promoter when he was starting out and getting an envelope, and instead of money in there, there was a really strange um, Bible pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
to kind of piggyback from that, Keith, I think in, in you know, the book is an example of it as well because you talk about it in the book, that this is probably the best time for independent wrestling. And you even mentioned some people that don't like the term indie wrestling, but you can make a living now being an indie wrestler. Right, and this the book traces the history of this, the evolution of this from, you know, I mean, I go all the way back to, you know, around 1960 and focus on outlaw promotions, specifically um, the promotion that uh, Jim Crockett Sr. ran at Sunnyside Gardens in opposition to uh, Vincent James McMahon Tootsmont circa 1963 with Antonina Rocca as the, as the main attraction. Wow. But um, I forget who tells me this in the book, but there's a certain point where suddenly if you're if you're on an indie card, the draw is no longer an ex-WWE talent. It's an indie star. Indie stars began to get created. It didn't seem like it was going to happen. 2001, Tommy, you were working for WWE, I believe. You were one of the first guys in there. And you had, you know, guys on indie shows who weren't picked up by the WWE. And slowly you, you had people who were fans of ECW, love that style, working on indies. And by 2003, they're stars in their own right. I mean, I interviewed Carrie Silken. He talks about the evolution of Ring of Honor. You know, he talks about... Samoa Joe and CM Punk working working in a, at the New Yorker Hotel in the ballroom. Those guys had never been in one of the big promotions, and they were not only superstars of the future, but legitimate indie superstars at the time. I tell talent all the time, or people who ask me, like, "Hey, I'm a I'm a wrestler. How do I get seen?" And I say, "Well, during these." pandemic times it's a lot harder but the wwe and or aew at the time were signing everybody and you could become and i would say an indie darling and right away get picked up put out a cool spot you do on social media put out a match on social media or don't think they won't see why is this person on everybody's poster because back in the day it was just literally word of mouth i remember you know, there was generations of all these different guys. Like when I was coming up, it was the New York guys who were uh, Tommy Dreamer, Taz, Bill DeMott, Chris Candido. They were the New York, New Jersey guys. Ray Odyssey. Those are like the solid hands that we grow kid. and go and work everywhere. Yeah. And yeah, Zebra Kid, uh, or the Cheetah Kid too, who then later That's became Rock O' Rock. Yeah. And it's just like it was word of mouth of all these guys are constantly working everywhere. They're the known indie guys. And but now the known indie guys would get picked up. And and you said there were the New York guys. What I discovered when I was researching the book was on the West Coast, there was a whole different indie scene yep. with guys. And there wasn't a lot of travel between both coasts. Then as the uh, indies evolved. West Coast guys would come and work CZW and Canadian guys would work CZW because they felt they were going to get better exposure. But it's pre-YouTube. And, you know, we can't take for granted how YouTube changed the entire landscape. There's no doubt about it. Also, too, and I know a lot of fans that got out of pro wrestling and it's actually indie wrestling that's got them back into pro wrestling again, because there's a, a little bit of like an attitude to it. It's like music, you know, when, you know, punk rock or metal music became too mainstream, then it's not cool anymore. And I think there's a coolness factor to indie wrestling, which has brought a lot of fans back. Right. And look, it not only has it brought fans back, but it's not like WWE, as much as it's depicted as this corporate overlord, it's not like, People there aren't noticing because these guys get picked up. I quote Excalibur in the book, and he talks about watching uh, an NXT show, and he said the only guy who didn't work in PWG was uh, was Velveteen Dream. Everybody else had passed through there. You know, it's funny now. The I did my first indie a couple of weeks ago, 
and I was I was very I had reservations about doing it but the guy had given me a deposit it was all the way back for a May show but we we just did it in August and watching the new indies where there was a ring set up outside there was a kind of a pavilion feel to it and I watched the ring crew sanitizing the chairs it was also people bring your own chairs a nice guarded off section where they literally were taking every fan's temperature. There was, they had letters from the CDC saying they were allowed to do this up until it was 200 people. And the more that I was a part of it, yeah, I wore my mask. Uh, Some people did not, but the more I was around it, I was like, I'm cool with this because I knew I was protecting myself Everybody else was in that bubble. And it was like, it's the same thing I'm really doing in Impact Wrestling, where we're wrestling in front of no fans, but all the talent is tested. Uh, so it, it's going to be different to get back there, but I'm happy to see that, you know, more and more things are getting back to normal. And I just found out today, I did not know that the NFL is going like almost 10,000 fans coming up, which I think is a little bit too extreme, but. For indie wrestling, if you 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 got to check it out and you got to check your book out because it, I know it's a great depiction of what it was and what it will be again. And one thing I, I tried to uh, convey in the book, I tried to include the better known promotions and the little known promotions. That's why I included uh, a promotion out in Idaho. I think it's the Idaho Wrestle Club. I include included the Megan Twins promotion, um, which was at one point called Twin Towers Wrestling before 9-11. And there's a story where uh, the Iron Sheik, who's kind of their uncle, their their father grew up with the Iron Sheik, was right after 9-11 was coming through uh, customs into Canada. And he was wearing his coffee and he was doing his gimmick and uh, Customs asked him where he was going. And this is like, you know, September 12th. And he says, I'm going to wrestle for Twin Tower Wrestling Federation. Only the and, Sheik. You know, now, you told me a story years ago. Oh, yeah. That I, I didn't work this into any published book. It would have been in the book I co-authored with the Iron Sheik. But for some reason, WWE felt it didn't benefit the brand. But you told me a story about you and Taz as young guys being with the Iron Sheik at like three in the morning, knocking on people's doors. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was me. I'll save that for when Sheik's on. Cause I just want to ask you one other quick question. Um, Dave and I, we were talking about, and I know you may have some insight. We're both flabbergasted. Why Cindy Lauper is not in the WWE hall of fame. Do you have any, conspiracy theory because we're really trying to figure this out i'm wondering if she's been asked and maybe she's too busy but you would think that she would want to be honored like that because she was such a legitimate fan and really seemed to be having a good time when she was around i don't know if there were any money issues but you'd think everything can be resolved i mean bruno got into the hall of fame true bruno said he'd never do it There's got to be a conspiracy here, Tommy. I'm telling Deborah Harry and, of course, Cindy Lauper need to be into the Hall of Fame for sure. Well, Deborah Harry, I can understand because it's the they, sure they, she should be in the Hall of Fame. But that's the pre Hulk Hogan era. She was around during the Bob Backlund era. So I can understand with, from WWE's marketing perspective why they might not go f- back that far. But Cindy Lauper, look, everybody else who's who's prominent in WrestleMania one is in the Hall of Fame. You're absolutely right. You know, Keith, for somebody who's covered this sport and this industry for so long, for so many decades, like how would you define this decade in pro wrestling? Because you look at back at the, you know, the 70s where it was, you know, the boxing fans with cigars sitting at ringside to the kids in the mid 80s to now, like you're talking about with indie wrestling, where, you know, people in their 20s and 30s. I mean, how would you define this era of pro wrestling? Well, well, okay, let's say this, 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 this decade, you know, the, 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 the hopefully soon to be roaring 20s 
Um, certainly the indie influence is very prominent. Uh, the there's the creation of AEW. And what I found, by the way, I'm working on a sequel to this book and it's, it, it's turning out to be pro wrestling during the time of the coronavirus. And the few shows I've been to, it's a fairly sophisticated type of fan. You know, when I was growing up, I was a wrestling fan. A lot of people made fun of me for being a wrestling fan. And, you know, to an extent for good reason. I mean, my grandparents were immigrants from the former Soviet Union. They were 100% true believers. My grandmother would watch wrestling in Brighton Beach. Not only did she think it was live, she thought it was happening in her own neighborhood. She and her sister would call the police and say, Killer Kowalski's attacking Bruno. So people would make fun of you for being a wrestling fan. I think now, you know, and for a long time, you have to give Vince credit for this because he certainly made it respectable. But you also have a fan that doesn't shout out homophobic and racist slurs. You have a fan who will put on a mask during the coronavirus time and not say, that's a hoax, I refuse to do it a fan who appreciates what these guys put themselves through and the fact that they just drove 700 miles and wants to applaud them and make them feel good about themselves for entertaining us, particularly during a very trying time. Wow. That was definitely strong. And I look forward to that follow-up book with wrestling during the coronavirus. Keith, it's been an absolute pleasure. Again, the name of the book, and I'm telling you right now, having read it myself, I know every Nation member will love this book. Again, it's called Too Sweet, Inside the Indie Revolution. Keith Elliott Greenberg, the author, thank you so much for the time today. We truly appreciate it, my friend. I appreciate it, too. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.